Runaway, copyright Serenia Murthy, 2018. Elizabeth comes home to police sirens and flashing lights. All the lights are on in her house. She grows alarmed and hurries in. The scene in her living room is not comforting. Uniformed police officers in black are talking to Henry while Stevie and Allison look on, worried. Stevie is wringing her hands. Elizabeth approaches them. What happened? She asks. Henry is saying words like five foot nine and brownish blonde hair. I don't remember what he was wearing, he says. He looks at the girls and Allison moves forward to answer. Stevie looks at her mom. Jason didn't come home from school today, she explains. Elizabeth's mouth falls open. Well, what? I mean, call him, she exclaims. We did. Stevie holds up her phone. She presses a button and the message plays. The number you have dialed is not in service. Elizabeth sits down suddenly, blinking hard. Stevie kneels beside her feet and places an arm around her. He was driving a black Volkswagen, Henry says. License plate. Elizabeth's head snaps up. He was driving the Volkswagen, she asks. Stevie nods. Dad called the school and they checked the parking lot, she says. It wasn't there. Elizabeth fights down a growing sense of panic. Did you check the hospitals, she asks. Stevie nods. Yeah, they don't have any McCords or unidentifieds. They said they'd call back if someone turned up matching those credentials. So far, nothing. When did this happen, Elizabeth asks. Stevie twists her mouth as well as her hands. We've only just realized it, she says. Elizabeth glances at the clock. It is 9 p.m. When he didn't show up for dinner, we thought he was just blowing off some steam, Stevie says. Then Allie texted him about something and it said, delivery failed. That's when she called him and heard the not in service message. And we've been calling hospitals and schools and the police ever since. School, Elizabeth sits up. What did they say? Was he there? Did he go to school? Dad got hold of the principal an hour ago, Stevie says. She checked the records. He was present. She checked with all the teachers. They all said he was there in class. The last bell was at 3 p.m. So the last time anyone saw him was 3 p.m. Elizabeth licks her lips. What about his friends? Debate team. We've been trying to get a hold of Mr. Rudd, Stevie says. I don't know any of his friends except Piper, and it's no good asking her because she's in Africa. I called her, Allison pipes up. She sits down beside her mother, and Elizabeth places an arm around her shoulders. She says she hasn't heard from him since she moved. And I poked that guy Alex, who's friends with me on Facebook, but he hasn't messaged me back. He wouldn't just run away, Henry explodes, and they all jump. I know my son. The Volkswagen, Elizabeth says, and they all look at her. Have them run a check on the Volkswagen. We're doing so now, ma'am, an officer says. Did anyone actually see the Volkswagen leave the school? Elizabeth asks. Yeah, the security cameras clocked it, Stevie says. Jason was driving. When was that? Around 3.15. So he can't have gone to debate team, Elizabeth says. Unless they had a practice or a meet off-site, Stevie counters. I don't know why Mr. Rudd hasn't called back yet, Allison worries. Was he alone in the car? Elizabeth probes. Looks like it, Stevie confirms. Look, I realize this is a stressful time, the chief of police says to the family, but if we're going to find Jason, I need you all to be completely honest with me. They nod. Now, and I'm sorry if this is a sensitive area, but when Jason left for school this morning, did he seem upset about anything? Was there anything on his mind? 
Was he worried about college, for example? The four McCords look at each other in a guilty way. Mom was thinking about running for president, Allison blurts out. The other three members of the family give her a look. You are? Ma'am, that's wonderful. Congratulations, the officer begins. Can we please focus on Jason, Elizabeth snaps. Oh, right. Yes, of course. The officer clears his throat and resumes a professional manner. Um, well, the fact that he destroyed his phone hampers the investigation considerably. Wait, you don't know that he destroyed his phone, Elizabeth protests. Why would he do something like that? Maybe he's hurt. Maybe he needs help. Maybe someone else destroyed his phone. It's highly unlikely, the officer says kindly, but also condescendingly. When someone destroys their phone, it usually means that they don't want to be found. Elizabeth bites her lip and looks mad. You guys are going about this all wrong. Jason McCord is not a runaway. If he were here, he would be quoting his favorite author saying, he is neither a fool nor a coward, and he would have to have a great deal of both in him to run away. Don't you see? Dashiell eyes his grandmother entreatingly. If he hasn't been in contact with his family, he gestures at the McCords, it's not because he doesn't want to, it's because he can't. Something must have happened to prevent him. He pauses. Just tell me where you last saw the car, he pleads. Finding the car would be our best chance of finding him. His grandmother eyes him appraisingly. All right, she says. I'll run the tapes. There is a search going on. Dad? Jason? I heard a trampling of leaves. Where are you? Down here. I fell. Can you see me? There was a pause. No, buddy. You must be pretty far down. You all right? Yeah, fine. Just cursing myself out for being so stupid. So you can save yourself the trouble. Jason, what happened? His voice sounds like his voice sounded like it was coming through a bad cell phone connection. There was some black eyes. The car spun out of control, banged into a tree. I know, I should have stayed inside and called 911, but I thought I could get help. The forest fo footing was kind of deceptive. Next thing I knew, I was sliding down the ravine. I was out of it for a while. When I came to, I found that it was night. My cell phone had broken in the fall. I've been trying to fix it. There was no reply. Dad? I called up in a panic. I wasn't hallucinating, was I? You still there? Yeah. His voice sounded croaky. My shoulders sagged with relief. I heard him clear his throat. You sure you're all right? I hadn't really wanted to tell him this part. He'd freak out. I can't move my leg, I said. I heard him suck in his breath. I think I might have broken it in the fall. You'll be okay, he assured me. Hey, Dad, I called up. Yeah, bud? You got any food? He didn't say anything. Before I could start worrying again, I heard Stevie's voice. Hey, Jason, it's Stevie. I'm going to throw down a couple of granola bars, okay? Hey, thanks for identifying yourself, I retorted. After 17 years, I never would have recognized the sound of your voice. There was a silence followed by absolutely no granola bars. I started to wonder what on earth was going on up there. Guys, I yelled up. It was only when I heard a stifled sob that I realized they were crying. Over me. It was on the tip of my tongue to observe that they could have at least had the grace to rein in their disappointment at no longer being the perfect campaign poster-sized family until we'd reached the privacy of our own home, but I refrained, and in retrospect, I'm glad I did.
Runaway Landslide, copyright Serenia Murthy 2018. I must have blacked out because when I next became aware of my surroundings, I found myself in a hospital bed. I will candidly own that this kind of thing is happening to me more frequently than I'd like to admit. My leg was in a stirrup and bound in a cast. I guessed it was broken after all. I did feel much better and considerably less hungry. Maybe they'd stuck in an IV drip. I started looking around, trying to see if I could get hold of someone. Maybe get a drink of water. And where was my broken cell phone anyway? Never mind that, where was the car? I sure hoped it was all right. Dad would kill me if anything had happened to the Volkswagen. I mean, he very nearly had. And then my family came in. The best defense is a good offense. Way to hold out on those granola bars, Stevie, I complained. The next few moments were a blur of hugging, kissing, laughing, crying, caressing, and scolding. But Dad didn't say one word about the Volkswagen. Is the car all right? I was finally compelled to ask. What car? We all gaped at him until he cottoned on. Oh, the Volkswagen. Yeah, it's fine. Had them tow it to the garage. Haven't had a chance to look at it yet. Hang on, I protested. You let them tow the Volkswagen? I couldn't believe my ears. I had other things on my mind, Jason. This day was just getting weirder and weirder. Come to think of it. What day is it? I asked. Tuesday, October 5th, Ali said. I blinked. I'd been stuck in that ravine for two days. My family appeared to be thinking along similar lines. Dad cleared his throat. Mom reached out and brushed my hair away from my forehead. Sweetie, we were so worried, she said. If it hadn't been for Dashiell... Dad looked up at the ceiling and shook his head. Dashiell? I asked, confused. What did he do? You guys are going about this all wrong. Jason McCord is not a runaway. If he were here, he would be quoting his favorite author, saying he is neither a fool nor a coward, and he would have to have a great deal of both in him to run away. Don't you see? Dashiell eyes his grandmother entreatingly. If he hasn't been in contact with his family, it's not because he doesn't want to. It's because he can't. Something must have happened to prevent him. He pauses. Just tell me where you last saw the car, he pleads. Finding the car would be our best chance of finding him. There is a room with Detective Robinson appears to have reached a decision. Come with me, she commands her grandson. You too. They all follow her off screen. There is a room with two detectives asking Dashiell questions. When did you last see Jason? I saw him at school, Dashiell said. It was just a regular day. What time exactly? 3 p.m. That's when school let out. Did he say where he was going? Dashiell shrugged. No. Did you ask? Dashiell shook his head. No, I assumed he was going home. He usually goes home. Really? The agent raised her eyebrows. Not to the mall? Not to a friend's house? Dashiell shakes his head. He's kind of an introvert, he says. And anyway, he's grounded more often than not. The family laughs. Did anything unusual happen at school? The agent asks. Dashiell shakes his head. Same old, same old. Did he? The agent looked at Dashiell shrewdly and leaned in. Did he seem upset about anything? Dashiell hesitated. He looked sidewise at the family. Is it all right if I speak candidly? He asks. Elizabeth waves a hand. Please, she says. Dashiell turned his attention back to the agent. I know he was upset about the idea that his mother might run for the presidency, he said, much to everyone's astonishment. But he didn't say anything about it. He's a pretty private person. 
Then how do you know he was upset? the agent asked. Dashiell shrugged. We've known each other for four years, he said. We've been best friends for four years, he said. Some things you just know. Did you know his mother was going to run for the presidency? The agent asked. Dashiell shook his head. I still don't. Then how? The idea got kicked around at school and I saw how he reacted. He said he didn't want... No, Dashiell cut in decisively. Jason would never say a word against his mother. It was... Well, it was mostly nonverbal. The fate method, Henry murmurs, and Dashiell turns around and looks at him, impressed. The agent made a note on his notepad. It's sounding more and more like a runaway, he observed, shaking his head. There was a situation from which he wanted to escape. He was unhappy. Dashiell shakes his head decisively. I know Jason, he says, and he is not a runaway. That's just not who he is. In fact, if he were here, I know just what he'd say. He pauses. I know him well. He is neither a fool nor a coward, and he would have to be a good deal of both for him to run away. Dashiell pauses again. It's a quote from one of his favorite authors. Don't you see? If he hasn't come home, if he hasn't been in contact with his family, it isn't because he doesn't want to. It's because he can't. I mean, he'd never put them through this, not in a million years. Something must have happened, he furrows his bro. Something bad, like an accident or a hit and run. Elizabeth sucks in her breath, or something else, and the longer we wait, the less likely it is that we'll find him alive. So come on, show me. Show show me, Graham. Show me the place where they last clocked the Volkswagen. She shows him. They go to the location. There are tire tracks. They lead to a wooded area. There is a ravine. They wander around searching. Henry cautions Elizabeth and the girls to be careful. He yells Jason's name several times before a faint sound makes him pause. He keeps still, holding his breath, and cautions the others not to speak by holding out an outstretched arm. Jason, he calls out and waits in the frozen air. The silence is only broken by the sound of a twig crunching or a bird chirping. And then a cry comes, very faint but still audible to a father's ears. Dad? Jason, Dad, the voice sounds much closer now. Are you up there? Can you see me? Yeah, Henry leans over. No, I can't make anything out, buddy. It's pitch black. You must be pretty far down. Well, I guess I know the rest, I said. Wow, if it hadn't been for Dashiell, I would have starved. It has been a few days since I got home. I'll have my cast off in a week. I've been hobbling around on a crutch. Mike B. is coming over to discuss my campaign strategy, Mom began, and then she broke off as everyone turned to look at me. It's all right, I said, waving a hand. I've decided that there are worse things than having my mother run for the presidency. Is that an endorsement, I hear? Mom teased. More of an ungracious concession, I retorted. I'll take what I can get, she parried. Can I count on your vote? That will depend entirely on your campaign, I informed her. Maybe I should have you run it, Mom's eyes twinkled. No way, Stevie vetoed. He is tainted by association with the Republicans. I know people these days have the attention span of a gnat, but let's give the American voter credit for a better short-term memory than that. Maybe Mr. Reynolds could be your running mate, Allison suggested. Unify the parties and thereby the nation. The McCord-Reynolds ticket. I tested it out just to see how it sounded. About as non-polar as a covalent bond. 
Well, that gets us everyone who watches the Big Bang Theory, Stevie agreed. Now what about the rest of the country?